Hello and welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast. This time we're going to do a five points on healthcare. John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hi, Karen. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you, and I hope all our listeners are too. Well, we hope that they're healthy, at least, I think, uh, since we're going to be talking about healthcare today. Um, there's a lot of things that might get them down if they don't. Um, I guess they have to now, right? Everyone has to at least pay the, the penalty, right? Well, it seems like it at this moment, but as we know, uh, this is a never-changing, ever-fluid situation. With the health care bill, which I don't even think the Republicans really have a an actual bill. Uh, if somebody can go offer proof to me of that, I'd love to see it. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure the Internet wants a reward. Are we offering any reward? <laughs> How about a bag of popcorn? Exactly. All right. That'll, that'll work. All right, deal. Um, okay, our five points on health care today, and we're going to follow our standard five points for format, which would be five to seven minutes. On each of our five points, number one, the history of healthcare in in the U.S. from the view of the patient, of course, has been tied to employers. Why? We will tell you. Number two, the U.S. healthcare system is not highly ranked. Number three, Obamacare is actually a quote unquote conservative proposal from the 1990s, but only kinda. It's uh, actually a lot like Romney Care, though, um, and that was. <laughs> And that was 2006, so I guess you can't say 1990s. Anyway, to number four, uh, single-payer insurance would likely save more money for more people, including John Q. Public and Joe Taxpayer. Number five, um, the current political battle is making us all sicker, um, at least in the head. Uh, Karen, let's jump into number one, if you would like. Um, You bet. It's... Looking, you know, as you know, we always, I'm the, always the one who's pulling in this history stuff, um, you know, and I know that you like history too, but um, it always gives me a good perspective. And I think for a lot of people thinking about the debate today, um, we always kind of say, well, how come, you know, you hear older people maybe saying, well, how come you can't just get healthcare through your employer like you used to? Um, and it's tied to the employer because it was kind of made to be. And, you know, you look at what has happened in, 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 nationalizing or socializing healthcare, And again, we'll get into that kind of discussion later. Um, but it was tied into what they would do at work cooperatives. They would have a doctor or they'd do certain things in order to also stymie any kind of political change. They didn't want people to try to do it uh, uh, statewide or nationwide. So, you know, companies would ju- you would kind of jump on that bandwagon. Um, and so it's become something that is really tied into employer employee relations um, but you know, one of the good things about, you know, taking a national health care system, um, means that some of that goes out of the hands of your employer. Um, what, what, what do you find interesting about the history of, 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 of health care service, um, in this country? You know, I, I have a, a kind of a personal story about this just as a contrast, so to speak. My father died when I was six and I, I, you know, I would not bring that up otherwise. He had a long battle with lung disease. Um, he died in the mid-1970s. And long story short, thanks to the insurance plan both my parents had, my father's military benefits as well, my mother told me she ended up paying out of pocket for everything, for months and months of care, I think roughly $12. 
Holy and that was it. Now, this is a long time ago now. Um, and it just, it blows my mind when I think of what people have to deal with today with deductibles. I, I want to tell another quick story, too. Sure. I had a cousin who was diagnosed with advanced stage breast cancer five years ago. Now, thank God she's alive and well. And the ACA saved her life, basically. Again, without that, I don't know. And I'm sure I'm, I'm not the only one who has a story like that. I know yeah. people listening to this show may have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, again, obviously, when one doesn't have health insurance, be it fully private or fully public, of course, for people over is it 55 now or 65, there's Medicare. You know, I can't even you know can't even imagine what those without insurance facing a serious illness do. Um, and, and look, healthcare because it is such an individual thing. When you get right down to it, it's never been a simple solution, no matter what period of time we're talking about. Right. Obviously, in this country, 40, 50 years ago. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm fine. I'm not poking. Some <laughs> um, <laughs> might wish that, but. <laughs> Okay. You know, you well, had not me. the population of this country, you had a relatively young population, although now millennials are the youngest group, or they're, they're the most dominant group. They, they outnumber the baby boomers. Right. Although now the baby boomers are the ones needing a considerable amount of care. Sure. And, and so we're just dealing with so many different dynamics. But, you know, long before ACA was passed, and we can go on and on about how imperfect it was, and certainly it was. But there were experts in the fields saying that the current healthcare system of this country, as it remained, was not sustainable, simply because you had too many people without insurance who were, who were going to ERs or emergency rooms, which were ultimately straining county and state budgets, uh, never mind the you know the kind of the human cost of that, right. of course. Right. But then you had again a, an aging population that needed much more medical care, with not everybody necessarily having uh, Cadillac plans or, per, or pensions, as we all know, pensions really no longer exist right. in most professions, sadly. And the kind of benefits that came with those, and and again, it's not to say that any system, private or public has is flawless I, as someone who is fortunate enough to be on a private insurance plan and I, it is a, a pretty good one but there's not to say that there haven't been issues with that um right. but i i guess what i'm trying to say i i think the idea of anybody assuming if we just leave it totally in private hands or just make it all public everything will work perfectly well no because nothing works perfectly that is simply not it's just not how it works in any kind of functioning human society. Um, but I, again, I, I think a problem is that too many Americans, especially those who are in, you know, in various organizations or pundits on TV, seem to still be looking at this at this problem from a perspective of an era that just no longer exists. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and I mean, so go ahead. Please. No, I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, we kind of wanted to talk about the history of, of, of health insurance or health service. And, um, you know, it, it, it always goes back to 
what the folks need at the time. And especially when, say, you know, I mean, we look at the history and know that in the United States, around the middle of the 19th century, around the Civil War, there started to be some sort of push, just like there was everywhere else. Healthcare started to be at to a level that you needed um, ways to kind of pay for treatments that you couldn't have right. otherwise, you know? And, and so, you know, what you talk about with your father, and I think you said a cousin or an aunt that had breast cancer. I'm sorry if I... A, a, a cousin. A cousin right. who did, and, and thankfully is alive and well today. Yeah, and... and because when, she got the treatment she needed. Yeah, and, and, and say 100 years ago, there is no treatment, you know? And I, well, no, there wasn't. Cancer was a death sentence no matter what kind it was. You know, we all know. And, and, and that's why it becomes dynamic, you know? And that's why it becomes a situation where then you have uh, science, I guess, progressing to a point that... Um, you can you can you can heal people um in ways that you couldn't years ago but then not everyone can pay for it and and that's where and that's where it comes the you know the whole issue begins and 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 how you do that and so if you have a a a a a, a belief um of making america great again you know it's what america are you thinking about and and you have to take all sides of that um you know america is great when it cares for itself. And, um, you know, you look at even the history of healthcare, which is what point we're in at this point. Um, there was the first kind of system of medical care was in the South, where they had the Freedmen's Bureau, and the government constructed 40 hospitals, employed more than 120 physicians, and treated over 1 million sick and dying former slaves. Um, they only lasted from 1865 to 1870, but it really, um, the, eventually, the Freedmen's Hospital in Washington, D.C. remained operation until the late 19th century when it became part of, and I know we all recognize the next name, Howard University. So, you know, these things and providing service for, for people usually ends up, in, in, in one way or another, you know, if you want to talk about the first example, it ended up being something that's pretty great. Um, you know, Howard University, you know, I'm sure there's critics of it, but you have to, you know, realize its place um, in the struggle for equality. Um, and then you go back to there wasn't anything until uh, Teddy Roosevelt and the progressive time. Um, and they started pushing just like everything else. Um, you know, what we're going to get to in, in one of our, our, our later five points, but basically having um access to health care by everyone um so you know universal coverage they wanted to have universal coverage starting in 1912 it was part of it was on theodore roosevelt's platform in 1912 the ama at the time was was against it um this is the first time i think that the the, the term socialized medicine came out and we've been basically stuck in that same argument that same pushback from 1912 against 1912 sensibility. And there's still, the situation is the debate is still the same, it seems like. Um, and that's and that's why I thought, you know, the history and the background of this was so interesting, is that it seems to me that it's a lot of the same argument. It wasn't until the New Deal and Franklin Roosevelt and even, uh, you know, Truman and Johnson were the last real Democratic presidents to push for single-payer health care, but it was pushed from Je from Franklin Roosevelt all the way through Johnson. 
there was a push on the progressive side to get to universal health care. And it's never it's never continued past that. And then we ended up getting, you know, of course, we'll talk on another five point about what Obamacare really is. Um, but even that is not universal health care and it's not socialized medicine, quote unquote. Um, you know, so it's it. I don't. It's like a lot of our our worst um, political arguments now, like immigration um, and healthcare, are just topics that haven't been addressed for so long. Talk about John McCain saying the other day, "We're not doing anything." Well, there's another one that has never really been solved in ways that people can say okay. And you know, that's why I think a lot of people, just especially on the progressive side, accepted Obamacare, it, even though it wasn't what they had been fighting for since the New Deal, which was universal coverage and. And, and, and that and that kind of, you know, socialized medicine, um, they didn't get there, but they were happy that at least something else was being done and it moved past what was around in 1912. Right. I, you know, again, I, I think I, I, the issue with health care, I mean, and, and making it affordable is, is hardly a new thing. This has been going on for decades, but because we've come to sort of a tipping point and, and really, we've been there, I'd say, for a good, I don't know, 25, 30 years of of just people not being able, you know, their, their, their work is not providing health care, and they have right. they just have very few options, that this is what led to ACA being passed, despite all the strum and drang, and it being as imperfect as it was. Um, yeah, you know, and... and, and, and it's, again, it, this is hardly a new issue. It's just finally we... You know, there was an opportunity to do something uh, that clearly some people were not going to like uh, about it. Sure, and you know, I think the tie to employers is 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 ironic because you know there was a time where employers were so worried around you know the turn of the 20th century about any sort of federal regulation at all, and it's still almost like the same Ted Cruz argument. And so then they started their own cooperatives run by their companies, and now you have companies that that want out of the business. They, they, they don't want to provide health care. They never wanted to provide health care. The only reason why businesses got into the business, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, of providing health care is because they didn't want the federal government to overreach in other ways. And they just thought, hey, you know, we might as well keep them out of this because they're going to take my taxes too. And, and, and now they don't really want to. It, it, it feels like it costs too much. They'd rather have a, a, a cheaper solution. Um, you know, part of the other history that I learned is, you know, the whole Kaiser Permanente um, network was started um, during World War II by George Kaiser, um, who wanted to find a way to, to, to have his employees up and down the coast there be um, treated. And he, he came to a, a singular plan for a bunch of doctors and they came in and took care of his employees. And it ended up building itself into a, a, a health network. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, again, we're at a different point, and but the debate is there. Why it's tied to employers is 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 for for reasons beyond, um, you know, any sort of um, you know lack of intrusion. Um, it's it's because they you know really wanted to kind of control it themselves and not be told um, a lot of ways that they had to you know kind of restrict their business. Is that why it's there? Is that that same feeling that that's that's still there? I don't think so because I think most people understand now you have to have some sort of health care, um, you know. And I know you know we're kind of getting over our, our our time limit on on number one. We haven't even gotten out of yeah. uh, five point number one, but um, so I'll give the floor to you again for last you know um, 
comments if you have any or other. Otherwise, you can throw us into number two. Sounds good. You ready to go to number two? You betcha. The U.S. healthcare system is not highly ranked. Unfortunately, <laughs> like we hear all the time, mm. go ahead, go to Canada and see if you can get a heart bypass. Well, actually, um, according to the World Health Organization, both the United States and Canada are in the 30s. Uh, they right. rank uh, Canada 30, uh, the United States 37. We're just below Costa Rica, uh, Dominica, Denmark, and uh, Chile, and Australia. Um, and right. Finland wraps up, uh, is at number 31, ca- uh, counting down from the USA. Um, number one, <laughs> according to the World Health Organization, France. Number two, Italy. Uh, number three, San Marino, but we can give them a break because they don't have that many people. And, um, same with Andorra and Malta. Um, um, but Singapore, nothing to sneeze at. Spain, Oman. Um, You've seen that there's a lot of uh, 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 countries in the Middle East uh, that have better health uh, plans than us. Uh, so you want to say, hey, um, you know, it, does your terrorist have better health care than you? Um, Oman. Um, did, uh, let's see what else. Oh, besides Oman there, Cyprus, Saudi Arabia, the United Emirates, uh, the United Arab Emirates and Morocco and Israel, all better than the United States. Um, something needs to be done, don't you think? I mean, we're the world's biggest economy. We have, we have the greatest army in the world. I mean, can't we heal people? Well, I, I mean, again, without repeating myself here, I, I it's always, again, healthcare is, is, is difficult because it is so personalized. Yeah. How you may be dealing, how you may be feeling, your overall health is different from mine, is different from someone else's, is different from your neighbor's. And there's just no one formula that works for everybody. Some people live their lives with disease-free or any serious illness, and, you know, one night their heart gives out when they're 90, and that's it. I mean, others die much younger, sadly. Uh, others have serious illnesses like cancer, end up beating it. Others have chronic conditions like diabetes. Or I don't know if you've necessarily con- something like multiple sclerosis, although which that is more treatable than it used to be. Or HIV as a, a far better example, which is now considered a chronic condition, but not the horrifying death sentence it was even 20 years ago. Um, but I, I go back to when I have these discussions with people who are totally against the government being involved in healthcare, and. I say again, you, you had experts saying, not me, people who really study the system, there was no way we continue could continue as we were. That somewhere, somehow, there had to start being a more universal system that could cover people who weren't getting it through their work and couldn't afford it otherwise. I, I do, I, I will say, there's no question when you have a government-run program, there, there are sometimes unnecessary weights, there are other problems, but if by the same token, this idea that conservatives and libertarians who claim, oh, you just have to make the market open, and then everybody can afford to buy care, it it's just has been proven to be false. Okay, nobody's going to get, as Donald Trump recently claimed, because as usual, he doesn't know what he's talking about on anything, uh, buy insurance for $12. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I mean, that's just beyond ludicrous. It's, 
so I, I, you know, and I say this as someone who was very skeptical about the ACA when it first passed, and but again, from just on a personal basis, and by that seeing it help a family member. So yes, the personal becomes political. And having also talked to people who were on it and had never had insurance before and are able to stay healthy or deal with, with issues that keep them alive, I, I would say it was, a, it was a step in the right direction. Does it mean that it, it doesn't need help or tweaking? Well, of course not. Yes, it does. But this, you know, for the Republicans, and it isn't them, I hate to just make it their party, but obviously they made this an issue for seven years. Donald Trump made left many mixed messages during his campaign, but also he keeps harping on about repealing it, which I think has far less to do with his having the understanding and more to do with the simple fact that it's because it occurred under President Obama, someone, uh, you know, we all know he's extraordinarily jealous of. Um, but, again, they have no plan. This is the thing. I keep telling Republicans, where is the plan? Do you have one? And unless I'm wrong, and I know the situation, they're supposed to vote again tonight, and I guess 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, according to Chris Hayes, which that will be old news by the time, you know, people are hearing this podcast. But And who knows what may have uh, taken place between yeah. Uh, now and then, but they, they're clearly, it says, Chris, Chris Hayes tweeted this 10 minutes ago. At this point, McConnell and leadership are just straight up trying to con their own members. Because in other words, they have no plan. Just talk about a skinny repeal and, and just the confusion that comes with that. Yeah, well, let's of get course, to this five. Well, let's get to that point in, in point number five about how, how the debate is getting my, everybody sick. My, my apologies. Oh, um, no, no, no apologies necessary, Karen, because I think that's the... This is where we're leaving that right now. This is the problem. You exactly. have one party that wants to undo this with no plan in place. I think it's no wonder why people, a lot of people are very anxious and just confused when there's no clear leadership from okay, that so, side on this. So, you know, the your point is well made. Talking about, though, that the U.S. healthcare system is not highly ranked, um, even... Health spending is higher, um, you know, besides the World Health Organization study that talked about every company, um, I mean, every country, um, there is one by the Commonwealth Fund, and they studied 10, um, let's see, uh, 10, uh, uh, in 10 countries, in Australia, Britain, Canada, France, Germany, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, and the United States. So what we consider... You know, the equivalents, I guess, um, the same thing. They got a lot of white Anglo-Saxon Protestants there, I guess. That's why. Um, but no, um, uh, uh, their economies are a lot m- uh, more alike. Industrialized nations. Um, yes, happens to be a lot of wasps there, too. But that's not the point. Um, <laughs> anyway, Karen, you didn't laugh. Uh, I feel like I just said something wrong. Anyway, um, okay. the point was that in those countries, the United States still, I mean, we're talking about in 2015 or between 2015 and 2016, the highest amount of cost-related access barriers. So we're talking 33% um, of the people that they talked to had a medical problem but did not have visited a doctor, skipped a medical test, treatment, or follow-up recommended by the doctor, and did not fill prescription or skip doses 
because of the cost of the health care, that it was so high, that our costs keep going up, even under Obamacare, even under the ACA, um, no matter what we're doing. And, and like you had mentioned, to think that it's going to go down if you just repeal everything is not going to be there. We're just going to have more people. It's going to be a higher amount of people that aren't getting it. Now, do we have the ultimate um, a system that if we have so much equipment and, and facilities in this country, sure we do. But since they're not being subsidized to the extent that they are in other countries, and it's just the fact of the matter, and you're making everyone pay for it and only the sick have to pay is basically what happens when you don't have um, a, a system that we'll talk about later. But when you don't, you can't have the best healthcare um, in the world, which is what America likes to have the best of, every, the best of everything. Um, and you talk about how, we're, how we compare, the more you have a situation where only the sick pay, um, then you have poor people who can't afford it that don't do it. And, uh, and you have just you know, other people who are mortgaging their lives in order to get this done. And so, you know, I think when we say American healthcare, United States healthcare isn't healthy, it's not on what we're capable of, but it's what on we can deliver to everyone, or at least a vast majority of people, because I don't know how many people can afford a million dollars of life-saving stuff. And, and you know, I mean, then you get to that debate where, you know, you've, we've heard a lot of conservatives then say, well, you know, you got to let them die. And that is literally out there for a lot of people. And, and, and what you do. Otherwise, you have to have the, the money come in and you just dole it out the best way that you possibly can and you figure out ways to deal with it. Um, you know, they, 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 they scared up the population with death panels and all the rest of that, um, you know, eight years ago. Um, but, you know, you don't have a death panel deciding if you just can't pay for it. And, and, and so that's, you know, what happens. But I don't want, I want to stay on point with this is that you can't have the best delivery of service if you don't have access that people can handle. Right. All right, yeah, on to number... Absolutely, I mean... All right, on to number three. Obamacare is actually a conservative proposal from the 1990s, kind of, but it's really more like Romney care. Um, we hear it all the time, I think... Um, Obamacare, or, uh, Obamacare is really a heritage foundation thing. Um, from PolitiFact and from others that have actually done some research, there was time during, you know, when all kinds of proposals were flying around in, in opposition to Hillary Clinton's first attempt when she was first lady to have some sort of health care uh, legislation go through in, in Bill Clinton's um, first term. There was a lot of proposals flying around. One looked a lot like that, and it was supported by a lot of different people. Um, but, you know, came and went, stayed there. It was an idea. Um, eventually, um, Mitt Romney grabbed it and that's what they invent, uh, um, you know, passed in Massachusetts. Um, so it is still more of a conservative idea, sort of what we let, um, led into earlier when we talk about the history. Um, it, part of the progressive movement is since the 1912s and Theodore Roosevelt has been universal coverage that never really went away. Um, and there was a, it was basically a a a, a handout um, in two two Republicans in Congress at the time. That's I think the way Democrats saw it. Well, let's give them something that's palatable to them, and they should come across the aisle and and shake our hands and say, okay, we'll 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 be happy to do this. Um, where 
you know, they, that's brought up all the time now that Democrats forced it down the throat in 2007, I mean, in 2008. So we should do the same thing when we go to repeal, where that's almost as far from the truth as you can get. Right. I Again, I, that's what just was funny about it. Unless I'm wrong, I recall Bob Dole having a similar proposal when he was running for president in 1996. Yes. Uh, so, and then again, it, it's just, it, it, this is what's gone so wrong, I think, with Republican and conservative opposition, even when they're confronted with this inconvenient truth that this was a conservative plan and they deny that, it makes it makes it very hard for anybody outside that world to take anything they say seriously otherwise. Again, this was a plan from the Heritage Foundation, as you said. It did not come from any liberal group. Well, well, so yeah, well, I, it, well it's just... Here's the here's what PolitiFact um, says, and this is what they say they've uncovered in their research, which we haven't done any any independent research, but um, right. it was led and introduced by Senator John Chafee of Rhode Island. Um, I think we all remember him, a Republican, and yeah. the bill was called the Health Equity and Access Reform Today, which is an acronym for HART. Um, so the Republicans at one point for sure had a heart. That's for sh- true. That's for sure. Um, and it had 20 co-sponsors. That's a who's who of Republican leadership. Um, it was Minority Leader Bob Dole from Kansas, um, Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah, um, Charles Grassley from Iowa, Richard Luger from Indiana, and many others. And there was also two Democratic co-sponsors. And among other features that Chafee Bill included, an individual mandate, creation of purchasing pools, standardized benefits, vouchers for the poor to buy insurance, and a ban on denying coverage based upon pre-existing conditions. What do you think of that? (laughs) This sounds like Obamacare. They're the ones that proposed it. There were Republicans. So this is why when they were so opposed to this, you know, eight, nine years ago, well, eight years ago, it it, it really just seems simply because they did not want to give Barack Obama and or the Democrats any kind of, of win, even though it was their... Well, and you know, and that's part of my point is that even the discussion of the fact that there is the the Democrats forced it down Republicans' throats eight years ago, so we're going to do the same thing to them seems a little disingenuous when you realize that what what that Democrats basically had control of both houses in the presidency, and what they did instead was take a Republican plan and say we're willing to live with this. You should be able to live with this because 20 of your fellow Republicans introduced it 15 or 14 years ago. This is, this is, a, this is a, you know, a Republican-introduced plan that we were fine with. We would have accepted then if you wouldn't have pulled it. And, and they couldn't agree with it. And now they you know, don't like it so much that they're beating on Democrats for it. And so it seems disingenuous to say it was forced down their throat when it, they could have done that with single payer or universal health care if they wanted Right. I, but again, it's, uh, this, is, this is merely, I mean, you have to look at it through the lens, and, and it's as tired as we may all be of this, of partisan politics. 
um, because that's just really what it, it boiled down to. They just simply did not want to give Obama a win, and but it'd be incredible, fair enough, I suppose, in terms of the optics of that. But for them to, people like Mitch McConnell and others, to sit here and pretend that this plan came from somewhere outside of their realm is, is horse crap. Yeah, and you it's know, their and, plan. And, 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 and it really wasn't a bad idea at all. But you know, and of course, for liberals and other certain Democrats, it didn't go far enough. It was not single payer, payer, which you know most people said, and, and I personally believe was simply not politically possible at that time. Whereas now, it really looks like that's where it's going, even despite Donald Trump, even despite a Republican-dominated Congress. Yeah, and you know, it just seems that's where the wind is blowing now is towards single payer. Yeah, and we'll get that. I think that's uh, that's our next. Uh, uh, a point to make, I think. But the last one I wanted to make on this one was, is that it does seem, though, that PolitiFact says that the Heritage Foundation wasn't in support of that. They were in support of um, just outright death to Clinton. And if they if they supported anything, it was um, a bill that Phil Graham um, um, put out. And it was... Uh, one of them was called the Action Now Health Reform Act, which doesn't have a great acronym, um, unfortunately, not like HEART. The other one, I don't know why it didn't pass. If Donald Trump was marketing it, it would be great. Um, but much of it focused on the ins- on just on insurance for small business and the self-employed. It's, it offered some protections for people with pre-existing conditions and including changes in medical malpractice law. Um, <laughs> uh, there's the doctors in there. Um, but none of them went anywhere um, until Obama, um, until Romney Care 2006, which is basically the same, um, except um, run by a state only and not a country. Um, anyway, that 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 five point is the only other places that it was ever proposed or adopted before Obamacare was when it was either introduced um, or supported by a Republican governor. So I think that's. You know, something that I, I think a lot of people need to understand. And it was it's literally responding to decent needs and decent calls. And like we said, there's lots of people with 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 many different situations. And what do you do? Do we as a country decide that we're just not going to help um, people like the same thing with, you know, folks want to get rid of Social Security? Well, look back to what happened before we had Social Security. Um, you know, old people were dying in the streets, literally. Um, and. There was a there was a call for it, and now things have changed, and and we're better off for it. Um, healthcare is the same way. No matter whether Obamacare stays or we move on to new to new and better ways, um, progress usually is a positive. Um, anyway, anything last on that on that point, or we move on to the next one. I think ready to move on to the next one. All right, number four, and this is a biggie for some people out there. Please hold on. Single payer would likely save more money for more people and probably provide the same or better level of care. Karen, go. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, when you look at systems, uh, we've already gone through the list of countries that basically have better health care than than ours. Um, you know, it, it, seemingly, it certainly seems to be working in countries like, you know, Australia, France, Spain, the UK, and others, uh, and Canada. Again, I, I think uh, while there's no, I think well, there's no doubt single payer 
if it were implemented carefully enough and properly enough, would probably work for this country. But I do think there's still a little bit of that political lag and that cultural lag of getting people to accept the idea of it. I'm not sure, well, I think the trend, as I just said, it's heading towards single payer, but there's certainly going to be a lot of battles before that happens. I do think, candidly, Donald Trump will have to be out of office and you would have to have a Democratic Congress. And perhaps with enough Republicans willing to support it for it to finally become a reality. I do think that's still a ways away. Having traveled through countries where they have single payer and talked to people about their experiences, I've never had to go to a doctor overseas or be in a hospital. I've heard mostly good things. There is some grumbling about the taxes paid and sometimes the wait for certain procedures that are not life-threatening. So single payer to me, I mean, it would have its drawbacks, just as private insurance does. Yeah, so there was a piece that was in Newsweek from a doctor in Utah. He's a doctor from the University of Utah School of Medicine. And so we assume that even though he's just got a medical doctorate, he also knows a little bit about economics. But they say his answer was when they asked, is single payer cheaper than Obamacare? And the answer is, of course, a single payer system could cover more Americans than Obamacare at a lower cost. So, don't you think the way to get to some conservatives is by talking about the cost? Or do you think that they're still just thinking, well, the cost to me is higher? Well, I, for some fisc, just fiscal conservatives who are not necessarily hardcore ideologues or partisans, that argument would work. But I think right now where the party is, they're a small percentage. Again, the GOP has just become so rapidly partisan, so beholden to a certain base of voters. I'm not sure there are enough in that group right now who could make that happen. Well, you know, I mean, you know, making it happen, making... I mean, depending on what happens in the midterms, depending on the next presidential election... Yeah, but, you know, making it happen... And it may be if the Republicans have this sort of epiphany, epiphany and change of heart, I think you could, like I said, I think you could see steps being made towards single payer, but... You know, making it happen, I think... I'm not sure we're in the environment for that right now. Yeah, well, you know... I think the point we're trying to make with our with with our point number four here is that it still would be more efficient, most likely, um, and also probably save us some money um, as a country, um, and being able to deliver more healthcare to more people for less money. I think is is the point we're trying to make. Whether it's politically feasible or not is a whole different um, set of questions. I think, um, and you're right about that. Um, but as far as what you know. Some of the experts say, like the uh, man at the University of Utah, it's, you know, single payer, um, you know, they're like charter schools. Uh, you know, the, 
there's there's money that goes, but it's still private industry. Um, you just get to regulate how you how you, how you pay them for their service um, to a way that's even greater. You know, it's basically um, that you know you either you 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 find a way to get that, but you don't pay it directly. Your employer doesn't have to pay it, um, and it becomes a, a new way to do things. Um, you know, the the idea that Trump had and made early that, hey, we need to make healthcare changes and then we're going to make changes to the tax code. And I think that's why some of that becomes so um, tied together is because if you're going to get to a single payer system, you have to change the way that the, your people pay taxes because you're actually also changing the way millions, billions, trillions of dollars move in our economy, whether they go to you first and then you get to pay them to your insurance company or whether your company takes them out, you know, as you know, some of that stuff comes out before taxes and, um, you know, everything has to be changed all at once. And I don't see the current administration doing anything that can make it even get done. I mean, you know that the discussion earlier was about a lot of different things. And again, I don't want to, you know, go off the point too much and we can get to this in, in point number five, but the point still is, is that it seems like no matter what you want to do, if you want to cover anybody, um, you have to have a different system. And, and that's why Obamacare was close to, you know, close to it. They weren't doing, um, you know, single payer, but they were close to it. And it still seems like if you want to make the economic argument, uh, single payer, um, is, is, is still going to be cheaper. Now there's a lot of other things to go to, but I mean, can you do you argue with that at all? I mean, do you do you agree with that point that we're trying to make that single payer would be more efficient and cheaper? I mean, I think there's plenty of studies and there are plenty of examples to to uh, to prove that to back that up. Again, and I you know I, I think uh, again we're give, just given and I know I don't want to get too much into this, but just given the kind of incredible pushback and resistance that the Republicans have gotten from trying to mess with ACA, I think it proves that people who are on this generally like it and don't want to lose it. And, you know, for trying to take it away from them is, you know, this is why the GOP is just bumbling this as badly as they are, because they're, they're, well, enough of them understand they're going to lose seats in Congress for it. Uh, I, but again, I, I think, you know, we're, we're just going to have to have probably a sea change in our how politics are done in this country, which that's not going to happen overnight. We're going to have to have an attitude shift in the Republican Party, probably some in the Democratic Party, too. And, and really for Americans themselves to better educate themselves on the differences between single payer and, and other types of, you know, insurance programs, I think. You know, if, if you finally have all of that converged, and I, that may be happening sooner than later, uh, you know, you're going to see single payer. Or may, what you may also see, and again, I really hope I'm not contradicting myself too much on this, because it is such a fluid situation, and there are so many factors as to why more people aren't embracing single payer more. But I think you may start seeing states like California, for example, and it fails was going to have a single-payer insurance system. Right. Uh, but it won't be the last time that happens here. I suspect eventually California, if things don't, there are no positive changes made for health care on a national level, you are going to see blue states like California, 
and others, you may even see some red states looking at sort of the hard economic realities of it going towards single payer. Uh, I mean, one way or another, I think it's going to happen. It may not be happening on a federal level. I guess I should have said that from the get-go. That's yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it is, it is, it does become um, fiscally a little bit more difficult, though, when you when you limit the pool. Um, and, and I think that's the problem right. that California and some of the other states run into is that, you know, you're not, you're not being able to spread that out over more millions of people. Um, but if anybody can do it, it's going to be a big state like California or, or, or New York for sure. Or maybe even Illinois, if they can, if they can get the rest of their house in order. But, uh, um, okay, let's go to uh, point number five. Um, this whole debate is now getting people sick. And, um, I, you know, and when we say sick, I think we're talking sick and tired. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how many times we can do this. And, and I think we're at the point, I think a lot of the studies have shown that repealing Obamacare is, is, is hugely unpopular. It's, it's highly popular among the same people where um, the only people that are still holdouts um, uh, in those polls are the ones who are um, really going to make a stink if it gets passed. Um, so uh, if they repeal it, uh, if they don't repeal it, sorry, gosh, I'm going back and forth. Um, so, you know, I think it's driving everybody crazy. I really don't think it's necessary. I mean, look what it's doing in Washington. Like they talk about, you know, McCain talked about, they're getting nothing done. Besides the fact that now they've decided to waste all week probably debating on proposals that won't pass, um, it's a pretty tragic situation. Um, we're running into a, they're never going to do tax reform. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a budget um, a reconciliation that needs to happen. There's a, a, a spending cap. There's, a, um, there's, there's, there's issues coming down the line, and all they're looking at is um, rescinding Obamacare all the way into August. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to tell all of them, voters are going to remember this next year. People do. That's why, you know, attempts to take away things like social security. We all know what happened to George W. Bush when he had this idea to privatize it. That backfired badly. That was the start of his tumble in the approval ratings and from which he never recovered. Um, people do not, like it when something that they use and appreciate and pay for gets taken away from them based on faulty reasoning. Yeah, and especially when it truly does solve some issues. Um, right. You know, I mean, it's not just like you're saying, okay, everybody just gets ten grand, like all those Bush um, little you know paycheck tax cuts that they passed. Um, uh, right. You know, it was it was the situation where you have people that were being denied um they were reaching their limits at certain healthcare place at certain healthcare insurance companies they were being cut free and they couldn't get insurance anywhere else i mean those were literally happening because they had a pre-existing condition that's why there's the pre-existing condition thing and people love it so how do you repeal everything including that and, and, and people love it because it's right. I mean, you, have, you had people before paying into health insurance for 20 years, and they got sick, they reached a limit, or they did something else, and their health insurance company would just drop them. Right. I mean, again, that, that, that's one good thing about the ACA, is the pre-existing conditions was eliminated. And for the first time, people didn't have to live in fear of that. 
so, you know, this, this political firestorm we're seeing uh, is just, it, it is, it's, like I just said, it's causing a lot of people to be very nervous. And, you know, voters are, like I said, they're going to remember this next year, especially if the GOP just repeals it with nothing to replace it. Well, Karen, one of our more rambling prime cuts, I think, but still very <laughs> so well I, done. I apologies on that. I mean, again, I, I will say as, as somebody who just has seen how ACA has helped people. And, but it, this is just, you know, but, I mean, never mind what we could say about what this might mean for private insurance plans in the long run. This is just, this is very troubling. I feel you know, as an understatement, what's going on here. And who knows between... When we're done here and this evening and tomorrow, what, what's going to happen in Congress? But if this is not doing anybody any good, certainly above all Americans who are on this plan. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll see in a few weeks. I, I, I don't know. It seems to me that they've already kind of thrown their two best ideas out there and they both got shot down. So Exactly. Um, you know, the, the, the chance of something better coming up between now and Friday um, I don't know. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll see. We'll be back to comment on it for sure in a, in a week or two. I'm trying to get our old friend Tom Johnson in here next week, um, and um, I forgot to you know let you know about that, Karen. Too. I'm still hoping maybe you'll host that thing for us, but we'll find that out later. Um, we hope so. But we're gonna have some more um, you know great podcast content. Uh, might be changing up a few hosts here and there. Might have a podcast go and adding a new one, but. Um, uh, thanks a lot for joining us here Modern Times Magazine, Five Points on Healthcare. Thank you again, Karen. Thank you, and thank you everybody out there to listen, listening, and forgive my rambling. This is a, a, a very complicated issue, as you all well know, with an awful lot of effects to it. Who knows where it's going? Take two aspirins and call us in the morning. We'll talk to you later, everyone. Exactly. <laughs> no cover, no copay. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. Thank you.